You probably noticed, as I did, just stand for a minute, the presence of God this morning. We've been in the presence of the Lord wonderfully today. The songs have reflected it. I I thank the Lord for His goodness, His grace, His presence, His power. Thank you, Lord, for the stillness of the Holy Spirit. And also the burning, cleansing flame of the Holy Spirit. I ask the Lord that today every heart would know that cleansing. Every heart would know the depth of that stillness and peace. Every heart would know the power of God lifting them up. Lord, that you'd bring every one of us face to face with the Lord into a greater knowledge of the Lord. This is our prayer. Make your word known to us today by your spirit. Do a deep work in every heart. Come, Lord, be our teacher, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, please be seated. Just a reminder, too, we, uh, we prayed for the school team last week that's going to Cambodia, but they're going to Cambodia this week. So just bear it in mind and keep them in your prayers while they are away. Yes, um, at the summit, eight sessions, the, the goal of the summit a few weeks ago was that we might meet in the presence of God, find the presence of God, and we did. And uh, we spoke a great deal about um, the power of the kingdom, which, uh, amongst other things, we put an emphasis on the fact that when you're filled with grace, you grow in both power to receive and power to give. And, of course, Sunday morning, we talked about having a greater baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, a week ago, I got up early morning, and I had fully intended to go up at Well, I woke at four, and I thought, oh, you beauty. Something I need to pray about. I've got two clear hours here. And I, I got up to pray about it, and the Lord immediately switched me on to something else. So for the next two hours instead, I was thinking about this. And what I've come up with is a message called The Seven Effective Power Dimensions of the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, because the seven, and as Solomon would have said, you know, you have portions of seven and also to eight, and as the prophet, uh, who was it, Amos said, uh, for three sins and for four, it's a bit like that. It's not just seven, there's actually an eighth extra secret one. But um, obviously, this can only be an overview this morning. I'm going to give you an overview of the subject. The purpose of the subject is twofold. One, to make you aware of the, the broad range of activity of the Holy Spirit in power that, that should be in our lives. So it's not just some things and not other things, but so there's a kind of a, com- a complete fullness of the power of God at work, and, and you're wanting it. That's the second thing is desire for this, hunger to go further to obtain more. So uh, someone, I think it was Philip, when he spoke a week or two ago, he talked about graces. Now, it was Jonathan last week. He talked about graces that others have walked in. For example, he mentioned Benny Hinn, and talked about the, the presence of God that, you know, when he wrote a book and he went into some publisher and those guys were affected by sins, the presence of God came and transformed their lives. That's, that's power. He was carrying it in the form of the presence of God. Um, there's another fellow though, you must have heard of Kenneth Hagin, passed away you know, some years ago now, but um, great, great teacher concerning faith and miracles. They say that Kenneth Hagin so carried the presence of God that you could be in a toilet cubicle, not even know he walked into the men's toilet. He'd go into the cubicle next door and you'd feel the presence of God all of a sudden come on you. And so 
this is the kind of thing that's actually available to us all. And then uh, you think about George Stormont, you know, whom, whom I've met, and I prayed for him, he prayed for me, and he was a very close friend to Bob Hauserman. George Stormont had been a personal close friend of Smith Wigglesworth, and George Stormont had been the, actually the denominational head of the Foursquare Gospel Church in England and of another denomination. As an older man, he, he was such a delight, but every Sunday morning, I met him in his 80s, he would sit and simply soak himself in the vision that John had of the risen, glorified Jesus, the vision that, uh, that's described in Revelation chapter 1. He would sit on Sunday morning, soak himself in that, and then go out, and in, in his elderly years, only ever spoke of Jesus, and the people would weep. So this is, this is grace. This is the presence of God upon lives. And the point is, all of you, including children, you know, the eight-year-olds, the 12-year-olds, and listen, I want the kids to take this in. All you 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 10-year-olds, you take this in, because this word is for you, every one of you. It's children as much as anybody who should be seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know when the Holy Spirit fell in the Solomon Islands, it fell on a crowd of 5,000 people, and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit all at the same moment, and the whole crowd burst out speaking in tongues, but some of them fell on the ground frothing and manifesting demons. It was children. It was little children who'd been in that instant filled with the Holy Spirit that went around casting out the demons. And the children in this congregation, the primary school kids, the high school kids, you're the ones that should be seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as well as all you's in, all you's, there's a Queensland thing for you, all of you <laughs> who are in your 20s and uh, all those of you in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Listen, you could be 80 years old or pushing 90 you can seek a greater baptism of the Holy Spirit. So here are the seven power dimensions. But before we get started, think of this scripture, John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, uh, don't go to sleep up there, just the, John 7, 37, first scripture up. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow, now get a hold of it. Anyone who believes in me, said, out of his heart, this is out of your heart, will flow rivers of living water. And this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given. This is you, out of your heart, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. This is stuff going out. And of course, remember, Jesus said again later, you will receive power, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. All right, here are seven dimensions of that power. I must forewarn you, some of these overlap. There are different ways you can teach this. You can have a lesser number. You can have a greater number. Some of these things, it's, it's like several things that come out of one, but... By, by at least for now, breaking it up the way I have, I'm trying to give you a clear picture of what is available to you. So the first one we deal with briefly is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You would, many people think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about moving in the gifts. It's only one of the seven, one of the power dimensions. But, but, but it's, a, it's a big one, spiritual gifts. When the Spirit of God suddenly comes upon you and you're baptized with the Spirit and suddenly there's, 
new fresh life in you. You're more awake. You're more alert. It's astounding what happens. And next thing you find is you're able to prophesy you never could before, or you're able to heal the sick. You were given a gift. Or suddenly, you, you know, you, someone's got a problem, and oh, you know immediately the answer. You know, words and knowledge, or discerning of spirits. Oh, you know what's behind that thing. It's amazing how these gifts work. Tongues and interpretation, don't discount that. Tongues is one of the most important gifts there is. You know why? It's, it's like a starter motor for all the other things. If ever you're stuck, start praying in tongues. It's amazing what opens up in the spirit realm. And then it says, if anyone prays in tongues, pray that you might interpret. Let, let me tell you, the interpretation of tongues is a whole world that's different to prophecy. And most of us have never pressed in to get more than the little bit you had at the beginning. And yet Jesus, when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he went and spent 40 days in the desert seeking the face of God, being tested and tempted. Scripture says he went into the desert full of the Holy Spirit, it says he came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you meant to do something with it. Seek God, build it up, grow, because you've got these seven power dimensions and spiritual gifts is just one. Now, some other Sunday, I'd like to take a close look at tongues and what's in it and why it leads to all, leads to all kinds of other graces. It's been ages since we taught that. However, that's the first one. Here's the second power dimension, at least in the list. Uh, in, in order, I have them. You can change the order. The second is the power to live a holy life. Without, without Holy Spirit power, you constantly fail. You fall back into sin. You struggle. You know, there's miseries. But, but look, when, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives you real power to live a holy life, here's, here's some of the things that happen, that your life produces surrender, sacrifice, service. You, you end up with a clean heart, with a, with a pure motive, with a clear conscience. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in you that you could never do for yourself. But there's more. There's a whole lot of things you get freed from when you get a powerful baptism of the Spirit. For example, freed from jealousy. And if you're freed from jealousy, then you're freed from resentment. Not only that, freed from covetousness and envy. Now, there's a difference, by the way, between jealousy and envy. Do you know what the difference is? Jealousy <clears throat> is the feeling you have when someone else has or is trying to get what is rightfully yours. Like somebody trying to steal your wife and you're jealous. That's, so it, it's yours, but someone else has it. Jealousy. That's why the Lord said, oh, well, let me tell you what envy is now. Envy is when you want something that someone else has got, but it's rightfully theirs. You get the difference here? Jealousy is when someone else has got something that's rightfully yours. Envy is when someone else has got something that's rightfully theirs, but you want it. So that's why so often with, with jealousy comes resentment, but envy is a form of covetousness. You say, you know, you're told, do not covet. Well, now you understand that it's fine and it's holy for God to say, the Lord thy God is a jealous God because he loves you and he wants your love and it properly belongs to him. But he's never resentful. His jealousy never goes to resentment like a lot of us. But this stuff, this is the stuff that gets cleaned out when you get a proper baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, also cleaned out is offense taking because too many people take offense easily and then are slow to get over it. 
Uh, selfishness gets cleaned out and striving and selfish ambition, which is a great wickedness. And, and the big one for everyone is a good baptism of the Holy Spirit breaks the power of sin so that whereas temptation before was strong and you kept going back to it, now the power of temptation is broken. There might be a temptation that doesn't have power now. And, and it's easy to make a right choice and walk away. And now, of course, you realize why we sing this song we love to sing, this power in the blood. You know, we often sing that song. You think about some of the lines in the song. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's another verse. Uh, Would you be free from your passion and pride? Uh, Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. Third verse was, would you be whiter? Yes, whiter than snow. It says, sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. Look, the the power of the cross, the power of the blood is delivered to you by a good baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, you get some of this. You, you, you get forgiven. Suddenly you come alive. You, you, you're washed and you're clean. But there's a lot of growing you can do and there's a lot of victory you've got to obtain. So you need more. And hand in hand with being converted, you're meant to have a real good dose of the Holy Spirit. And so on and so forth. Well, that's the second one. It's a huge subject, but the second is the power to live a holy life. So the third one is the power to win souls. Now, the Bible doesn't necessarily express it so much as the power to win souls as the power to be witnesses. What does that mean? If you're given the, because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, you'll be given power to be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Or actually he said, now be given power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Uh, A witness in a court case doesn't need special power. You just say the facts. This is what I saw. This is what I heard. That's it. So you think, what, why do Christians need power to be witnesses for Jesus? It's because when you're a true witness for Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit, your words have effect on the world around you. Your words have effect on the thinking and the hearts of other people. And that's why you keep sharing, you keep loving, you keep praying because power is at work. But when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's more power. And uh, I remember in, in our college session in 1974, there were 31 cadets in that session, this is in the Salvation Army, and 11 of us in the first two or three months. Because we were all evangelicals, but um, some of us got really hungry for the Lord and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And records were kept because every week we'd go out witnessing, go out preaching. There'd be park Sunday schools. And um, records were kept as to how many people were led to Christ. And the interesting thing is that after months and months of all this record keeping and, you know, who had led them to Christ, it turned out that of the dozens and dozens and dozens of people that have been led to the Lord in that time, every last one of them had been led to the Lord by one of the 11 that had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's pretty remarkable. That's what Jesus said. Now, you bear in mind, he said this to people who were already his disciples. They'd already experienced the cross. This was during, this was after 40 days of resurrection appearances. So they knew of the resurrection He'd already been glorified. He, he already was in his kingdom. 
He had already opened their minds to understand Scripture. You read all of this in Luke's Gospel. He'd already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So it's not like they weren't born again. They were already people who could preach and pray and prophesy and cast out demons and heal the sick and raise the dead. They could do all of that. But he still said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And it was Spurgeon who said, there is a special gift of the Holy Spirit for service. In other words, power for service. And that comes under for me this heading of the power to win souls. And the interesting thing is that when you have this power and you share Christ, other things are at work. For example, angels are at work, but you can't see them. The Holy Spirit's at work, but you can't always see that. And uh, more time another day will tell you more about how that all works. But you need, you want power just so that you, the word you share has the, that effect. A fourth one, the power to understand. You've often heard me speak about the spirit of understanding and it has amazing outworkings, more than just a few. But the simple thing I wanted to say about that today was that when the baptism of the Holy Spirit so transforms your heart and mind with this grace of understanding, what you end up with is a complete change of heart. You, how many times can you have a change of heart? Well, it turns out quite a few times that you can continue to be transformed by the power of God into something more and more like Jesus. So you should never take the attitude, well, I was born again back there, so I've got everything there is. Well, you might own everything there is. Uh, this is what I used to explain to leaders of the Baptist denomination who they didn't like the idea of, you know, another experience other than being born again, although they believed in being filled with the Spirit on many occasions. So, you know, the, we were all on the same page, but I had to explain to them how you could, how people could preach this in different ways and still be preaching the same doctrine. And uh, what I said to them, look, when someone is born again, they own all of this. It's theirs, they possess it, but they're not all walking in it or experiencing it. It, it needs release, they need breakthrough. There's a victory to be obtained, there's things to be overcome in their lives, and it's these, it's these successive experiences of, of victory and breakthrough and being given more, more grace, more power. But for everybody, whether, whether it happens immediately following the, uh, the being born again, or whether because of ignorance, you know, you didn't even know about it till some years later, you do need to receive power just as the 11 apostles of Jesus did. And not only that, think about the story in Acts 8 where Philip the evangelist goes down to a city in Samaria and he preaches the gospel there and they all believe. It says there was great joy in that city. There were all kinds of miracles. Demons came out, deliverances, and, and they were all baptized. So they all became Christians. They were all born again. They were all baptized what more did they need? Well, Philip sends for the apostles. The apostles come down, lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Two, you know, two quite distinct stages, recognizable there. And so our, our issue is not whether you got the baptism of the Spirit within a minute, or whether you got it a month later, or suddenly 10 years later you realize, hang on, I've only got a little and there's a lot, the fact is you need to know that you have been filled with his power. Now these seven things I'm talking about halfway through here, 
All believers have them as far as owning, owning, you know, um, their, what's, what's the nuance here? It is that they're latent in the believer. You become a believer in Christ, then they're latent within you. You're, you have each of these to some degree, and sometimes it's only a little, a little bit. You have a little bit, or sometimes a little bit more. But my argument is that when you, when you have a full-blown baptism of the Holy Spirit, you'll find a greater measure of power in all of these things, and it can be built up. So, where were we? This, um, this power to understand. Now, in, in this grace, the baptism of the Spirit giving you understanding, it's not only a complete change of heart, but it's the it's the ability to grasp things. It's, it's the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. You read the scriptures and all oh, suddenly you see. Or you, or you get up early and you sit in your chair and oh, all of a sudden new information comes. Or out of the blue the Lord speaks and you get his word. Being able to hear God. That's an astounding thing. And it comes with the Holy Spirit. Being able to hear God. I've got all kinds of astounding stories. Things that have come out of being able to hear the Lord speak this and speak that. All of this comes with the baptism of the Spirit. Uh, anyway, here's a, here's a little indication of how important this is. Acts 4.32 is a, is a scripture we've often thought about. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Why is this? It was the day of Pentecost that gave them this grace, the spirit of understanding, that because of the, the depth of understanding poured into them by the Holy Spirit, they were of one heart. They were of one mind. They weren't pulling in different directions because they had the mind of the Lord. But read this one. Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. Why would Paul write to a church like the Roman church and say, may God give you a spirit of unity? Obviously something missing here. It wasn't said to this crowd they were of one heart, one mind. And you know what had happened? The church when it first sprang up, was Jewish, and, and a lot of Jews would have been in it, and some Gentiles added in. But then a time came when the Roman Empire expelled all the Jews from Rome. So they're all, they're all driven out, and, and they would have, amongst them would have been all the primary leaders of that church. All of a sudden, what's left behind is a crowd of Gentiles for some years. Well, they mature, they lead the church. Now the church has got other leaders. But then the Jew, some years later, the Jews were let back in, so all these guys come back. Now all of a sudden, people who had previously been something there come back and somebody else is something now. And, and so the Roman church had this struggle, a bit of an us and them. You know, they, they were together, they, they kind of got on, but they kind of didn't get on. And when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he not only had a whole lot to say about how important the Jews were in the economy of God, he had a whole lot to say about how important the Gentiles were in the economy of God. And thus he writes this text. May the Lord give you a spirit of unity. But can you see it comes from the spirit? And therefore, a, a, a work of grace in the heart. It's not something you can suddenly say, oh, I'm going to be like that. No, you need power. And, um, and the Corinthians, similarly, church in division, and Paul wrote similar things to them. We won't take the time. But that's number four, the power to understand. Transformation of heart and mind. Five is the power to love. And really it goes hand in hand with the power to understand, but it needs to be mentioned separately. 
Not only does a true baptism of the Holy Spirit give you the power to love, it especially gives you the power to love other Christians. And there's a reason that when you get a full dose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God himself pours a whole lot of love into you. You become secure, you become stable and well-established and balanced so much at peace. You, you feel so embraced by the love of God, but then you're full of love. You love others. You, f- you find it easier, much more straightforward. Well, you don't even think about it. You start finding yourself doing the things that Jesus wants you to do. And um, for example, Romans 5.5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. That's what happens. You get a decent baptism of the Spirit, love of God poured in, in a greater measure than you already know. And, um, and of course, especially love for one another. But we've had a lot to say about that over the years. But that's item five, the power to love. Now, the final two, six and seven, both have to do with authority. When you receive a powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are given authority. And this authority is the power to receive and the power to give. Now, under this heading of the power to receive, think about things like obtaining answers to prayer. You pray, you get powerful answers. Or you speak commands and it stood firm. Or you just give thanks and there it is. Now, I do this all the time, even with something simple like like car parking places. On the busiest day of the year, I can drive into the, the part of the shopping fair I want in the shade, and, but before I even drive in, just before I drive in, say, Lord, thank you, there's gonna be a park right there, and I drive in, and there it is. And I've, I, three times in Adelaide in three days, I did this last time, I was there a few weeks ago. And um, it, that's just normal, just normal. But you see, there's, a, there's power, there's authority to speak, authority to pray, power to receive. Now, on this point, I, I want to open up something for a minute. Christians, you and me, are meant to find power with God. There's a story in the Bible that really is written as an example of... Um, of striving with God to the point of breakthrough. And and if you do, a huge change takes place. So this huge change we're talking about does not come with conversion. Conversion is a wonderful thing. It's a great miracle, transformation of life. All of a sudden, you love what you didn't love before. You, you, what you love before, you hate. Huge transformation. Suddenly now you're alive. You've got a heart for God. Your name is written above. But it's the beginning of something astounding, not the end. And you, the born-again believer, are meant to somehow now strive with God. That is, that is wrestle with God. Seek God. Take hold of God. Don't let God give you no for an answer until you get this breakthrough. That's what's meant to happen. Now, here's the story of a man in the Bible who wrestled with God until he prevailed. And the scripture says of him, because he prevailed with God, he would prevail with men. I mean, it's one of these obscure kind of Hebrew things. But here we go. Genesis 32. I'll tell you what it was. Jacob 
with, with huge family now and servants and flocks and possessions, 20 years before with nothing, he fled from Esau, his brother, who was going to kill him. But now he must go back and he's bringing all this wealth with him and he's very worried about it. And he hears that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 armed men. You know, you talk about give me the willies. And he, so he sends his, his family ahead of him. He sends his servants. He sends all the flocks and herds all ahead. And he himself stayed behind for the night. And we read now what happened. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, when God turns up in these stories, he's often hidden or disguised as a man or as an angel. Very often in the Old Testament, you read about the angel of the Lord this, the angel of the Lord that. He'll say the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the burning bush. It's talking about Jesus. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go. This is the man. Let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, this is the man, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And the man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So the man, this is the man Jesus, blessed him. But remember, he's already poked him in the hip, put, his, put it out. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I've seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Now, if we don't know what to make of the story, here's what we do make of it. Here was Jacob, greatly troubled and still possessed of a very fleshly nature. He was God's man. He was under covenant. He knew God. He prayed. He tithed. He worshipped. He walked with God, but he still had a devious nature. Because he was, uh, you know, he was the guy that treated, treated his father, treated his brother, ran for his life. It was still in him, even though he was God's man. There had to come a time when that was broken. And so this, this wrestling with God all night, you know, it's interesting how the Lord himself initiates it. The Lord turns up, gets a hold of him, makes him wrestle all night. But then Jacob realizes who this is. Don't tell me Jacob didn't know. He says, I saw God face to face and yet I've been delivered. He knew. And soon as the, soon as the dawn was breaking, it's no longer dark, the light's coming. <clears throat> Christ wanted to leave. Now let's face it, he could have left. He, he, he puts himself in our hands so that we can get a grip on him. He makes himself available so that you can take a hold of him and say, I won't let you go. I want the blessing. 
So he pokes him. And this is a sign, the fact that the rest of his life he walked with a limp was a sign that God had broken that thing in him, changed his name because he'd changed his nature. You've prevailed. You've prevailed with God. And, and so we used to say that, that, that every one of us has to find power with God. And he says, I mean, another translation of this would be, because you have found power with God, you will find power with men. You must wrestle with God because he wants you to do the wrestling because he wants to shift what's in you and give you what you don't have but you need. Item number six is a real baptism of the Spirit gives you authority. It gives you power to receive, receive answers to prayer, and the power to command. And finally, it's the power to give. And when you have this authority, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit has given you a decent dose of the authority of Christ, you will have the power to impart grace to other people. You walk into a situation where there's need and you bring grace and you see the grace transform that need. You see grace change circumstances. You speak a word and things change. You can impart gifts to other people. So you can impart grace and you can impart graces. Remember these things are latent or if or more or better. At least in latent form they're in all of you but of course the truth is all of us as Christians along the way we, we grow a bit in one, we grow a bit in another and so you've got if you had a kind of a graph with seven columns, you know you'd have different height columns. The reason I mention it in this form like seven is so that you can think about, you know, I've, I've made progress in this area, but not much happening over here and start to really seek the Lord. You need more grace. I don't even know how you're going to remember the seven as seven. You might not, but get hungry for God. And I think the Sunday night meeting coming up is not a soaking meeting. It's a seeking meeting. Because soaking is too passive for this kind of thing. You, you're here to just cry to the Lord and say, well, the Lord must have you. It's a wrestling meeting. The, the old timers used to call it a tarrying meeting. Tarrying meaning you're expecting something to happen and you wait on God and if it doesn't happen this Sunday night, we'll be back again. We're going to take a hold of God until we get something. Now, in addition to those seven, I want to say this. In addition to all the other expressions of the power of the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Spirit, there's something else the Lord can do. And it's not dissimilar to that, it just goes a bit further. The Lord can actually give any one of us a unique gift. Something that is, I mean, the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural in themselves, but this is something that goes even beyond that totally, totally supernatural and unusual and not at all normal. Give you a few examples. You know, I often have told you about Apollos, the pastor in the Solomons, who from the time the Lord took hold of him one day, he never ever slept again the rest of his life. He spent every single night just reading and praying, reading and praying every night. And he was astounding. The, the authority that that man had in his culture, in his setting, his power in the Word of God, because that's a unique gift. That's totally unique. I'd be happy with that gift. 
being so touched by the Lord, you could, you could enjoy the day and the evening with everybody and then just no need to sleep, just enjoy the Lord all night long. Would that be astounding? Well, see, it's a unique gift, but it's only one of all kinds of gifts. What about the man I met from America? Spent three weeks with him. His ability was he could put his hand on your shoulder or begin to pray for you and he could hear the lie that you were believing, the very thing that you were struggling with. He could tell you what it was. And you could repent of it. He'd break the power. He'd hear it. He'd just, and the moment I said to him, oh, you beauty, get your hands on me. The moment he put his hands up, oh, John, I can hear it. It's as quick as that. See, that's a unique gift. It's like the other gifts, but it's taken to another level altogether. What about people who all of a sudden can play the piano that never could before? See, Andre Crouch has a story like that. You must have heard of him. And, and his father, a little, little black Pentecostal church, his father was the pastor, had no musicians, and his father's leading the church in prayer week after week, month in, month out, praying, I said, Lord, give them a piano player. Andre Crouch is a little boy sitting there. He's only a little fellow. He's in primary school. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes on him. He gets up, he walks the piano, and he can fully play that piano. And he went on to be one of the greatest songwriters, uh, songwriters worship leaders, so much so that back in the day when traditional denominations looked down on, you know, Pentecostal type worship and all, and, you know, scripture song and all that, Andre Crouch's songs ended up in, in the hymnals of these uh, denominations. But um, this, these are unique gifts. Well, there's a lady in America right now who, when she was in primary school, I mean, you kids listen up on this. She was in primary school and she heard some preaching about gifts, that God gives gifts, and she wanted a gift. And she cried out and cried out, prayed and prayed and prayed. She'd spend every minute she had praying that the Lord would give her a gift. And the Lord did. The Lord gave her this astounding gift of music and, and piano playing. And uh, she was a head of teachers. I mean, she, she just, um, even when she was late primary school, early teenage years, her parents tried to you know, give, get her music teachers. The music teacher says, we, there's nothing we can do here. You know, she's, she's so ahead. She's been winning the prizes in America for, um, these, these are national prizes for Christian songwriting and music, year in, year out in America. Uh, astounding ability. We had her playing one night on the, on, the, on the video, you know, on the piano, and Philip walks in and he says, man, she's a gun. And, uh, but it came totally, completely in answer to her prayers. Unique and astounding gifts. Well, the fellow I told you about, I met him years ago, I met him in the 70s, who had this instant recall of 7,000 promises in the Bible. And if he was talking to you, he could immediately quote five, six, seven, eight promises that were pertinent to you right then. These are unusual expressions of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen, every one of you can get a breakthrough for something. But the first thing is, Seek the power of the Holy Spirit because, like Jacob, something in here is going to change. You, you want more from the Lord, and the, the very coming in of all of that grace is going to want to also transform your heart, attitudes, beliefs. And so if I can finish on this point, many people, when they come to seek the baptism of the Spirit, find that it's like their way is blocked. And, and so people who teach about this subject at any length, sooner or later they'll teach about hindrances, things that might block the receiving of the baptism of the Spirit. 
We'll give a bit more thought to this another day, but I thought I'd give you an idea. Um, having things in your life like false loves can be a hindrance. Love of money can be a hindrance. Unbelief, having idols, you know, doubts and un- or unforgiveness toward other people or, or pride in the heart and false humility or fear of man and love of the world. So the whole process of waiting on God, calling out to God involves this recognizing your fault and confessing it. At the same time, you've got to be very, very clear that you can't make yourself worthy. Remember, it's a grace gift. It's the gift of God. It's given to those who humble themselves, not to those who think they're good enough. And so you can't, you can't kind of clean your life up and think, well, I'm good enough. I should have more. It doesn't work like that. It's a proper confession of the weakness that's in you. Only he can cleanse. But it, and I was with it. The, there were two of us way back in March of uh, 1974. There were two of us who be, in that college who were, bega- began this process. We bumped into each other in the library, got talking nine o'clock at night, realized we were both hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, immediately carted ourselves off to a house where we knew a couple of other people were and got into prayer and prayed through till 1.30 in the morning. I didn't get baptized in the Spirit that night. This other fellow did, but not until the Lord had showed him a vision relative to his love of money. And he had a bit of money in the bank, that fellow, probably more than you know, most of the rest of us at that time. Showed him the love of money, put a dollar sign before him. You know, he, All he did was repent. All he did was confess it and immediately baptize in the Holy Spirit. That for him was a blockage. Notice the Lord didn't ask him to give the money away, but you really, no, he might. I'm not saying he wouldn't do that to you, but you've got to deal with the heart. Me, I pray all those hours, nothing that night. Pray all the next day in prayer and faith and the next night and the next day, five days. But, and in the end, in the end, the victory comes by believing. You come to this moment of faith, um, asking, asking and believing, still very key to it all, not thinking you deserve it, you know, all that. But finally, though, the wait was worth it because when I got clobbered, I got a whole lot more than, than most people did. The more hungry you are, look, don't, don't, be, don't be discouraged if this takes time. The whole point of this is to get you hungry for God, start seeking, start calling out to the Lord. Be happy if it becomes a bit of a process because chances are he wants to give you more. You know, if you pray one quick prayer and you go, okay, you know, okay, you're blessed. That's not quite enough, right? <laughs> we, we want the more. We want, want a real breakthrough. And uh, so if I could say simply in closing, as, a, as general advice to everybody, the word of God is critically important. Remember Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Don't think you can walk in great freedom and great liberty if day by day you're not letting his words wash over you. Even if it's you know, a chapter a day, even if it's a psalm and, and a chapter of the Gospels, if you've got no more time than something simple, let his words wash over you because it makes a huge difference. This is, this is manna from heaven. This is the bread of life that came down from heaven. Jesus is the word of God. And so he... He himself is the word of God, but he speaks a lot of words, and those words are going to wash over you. So 
And he did say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. So in this process of seeking the Lord, a greater baptism of the Spirit, don't forget to wash yourself with the Word of God. It's amazing what suddenly comes up. You can read anywhere random in the Bible, and oh, all of a sudden the Lord will show you something because you're searching for the Lord. I'm going to get the band back. And um, earlier we sang a song which I'd like to sing again. Uh, I don't want to uh, you know, drag it out. Just simple singing straight through. This was uh, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here. We'll sing these words together and just let the, the Spirit of God is present. Let His presence wash over you. And begin this process of being hungry for God and believing that there is more in Christ for you. All the children in the house get hungry for God. All the teenagers get hungry. Prepare your heart. You know that over these next few days and weeks and perhaps months you can continue to seek until you get a greater baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, includes myself. No matter what we've received in the past, there can be more. We believe for the changing of every heart and empowerment, fresh empowerment. Stand with me and sing. Be still. For the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is here. Just three simple verses. Sing them together. <laughs> 